This is a HeadGum Podcast. Dynamic banter. Mike and Steve are going to do bits and have some fun. Dynamic banter. Honking horns and ringing bells and making good. Dynamic banter. Don't forget the history rose. Dynamic banter. Hey guys, welcome to Dynamic Banter. <laughs> Mike said something hey, really funny. Pete Best, you could stay in the band if we renamed it to the Off Beatles. <laughs> Pete Best, star drummer for the Can't Keep a Beatles. <laughs> hey guys, welcome to the show. Um, we're talking about the Beatles. Last episode, we talked a lot about the Beatles. And, um, you know, people can't help to, all right. People can't <laughs> help, uh, talking about the Beatles because, well, they're incredible. They're an incredible band and they're incredible boys and <laughs> they've touched so many lives and they made incredible music. And so, um, you know, whatever, dude, we, and Mike and I love them. We, they have a special place in our hearts. My mom actually sent me a text she said, don't bother coming even after you get the vaccine. But before she said that. <laughs> I would love to know. I have one follow-up question only. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but hold off until I tell her what she said about the Beatles. <laughs> she said, I loved the dynamic banter I listened to today, Miho. She's so oh. fucking cute. You guys fill a need for so many, for so many, Miho, to make us laugh and think of other things in life. And then she said, I remember that I was 12 years old when the Beatles came into my life. This is like my mom's history, Rose. Yeah. There's a spam call calling me. Let me answer it. What if that this person just hung up and quit their job? <laughs> this is very important, and it's about your safety. Like, what if it was a safety recall on my car or something? She yeah, said she, it she, always she, is. She said she remembers when she was 12 years old when the Beatles came into her life. She said, first time I saw them was on the Ed Sullivan, Ed, Ed Sullivan show. I saved up to buy their first album. I loved it. I wore it out playing it over and over. My crush was Paul McCartney. Ooh, right back at you, dude. <laughs> Still, I'm amazed at the way you love me all the time. She said, Yes, the sad eyes got me. <laughs> I call well, them sleepy I always eyes. looked like I got off the wrong train stop. <laughs> Ooh, I'm just a puppy. I don't know where to go. <laughs> Somebody turned a puppy into an H&M model and gave him an accent. And that's me. <laughs> <laughs> she said, um, my favorite song is Imagine by John Lennon. 
definitely great song. Um, she said, but pretty much love all their songs. Thanks for the fun music filled memory. Love you for always. Miho, I want our lives back. Miss you. It's very You'll sad at the back. end there. But of course, Dude, we'll get what it an back. honor it is to have her listen to the podcast and enjoy the podcast. I know. I know. It's, it's concerning in some ways because of what we talk about sometimes. But, you know, she's my mom. She saw all my bits and she was around for all the terrible shit. And mm-hmm. um, she stuck it out and she freaking pushed me out one day in 1982 in, a, in early June. And, uh, you know, ain't nothing she's never seen or heard come from this boy that would shock yeah, her at all. I don't think, um, dude, our parents, uh, our parents are great and we're very lucky and, uh, 100% and that's uh, a 100%. And also it must be weird, uh, to hear their children talk about something that was really popular when they were yeah. teenagers. And I wonder if they're listening and being like, uh, what do you know about? <laughs> yeah. Listen to these damn kids. Alana talks about her mom's boyfriend who like sometimes gives her a lot of shit about um, liking the beat. Like he's one of those guys that's like when you say you like the Beatles, they, they go like, wait, what? What? You, you know, you, you know, know your girl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. They almost exclusively wrote songs targeted towards women, but you're a girl. <laughs> Right. They transcend pop culture in a way that will outlast even the the biggest things that I feel like are the most important things in my life. But you know who the Beatles are? (laughs) The most popular band on the planet? (laughs) (laughs) I used to feel that way about kids who wore Nirvana shirts that they got from Hot Topic. Totally. So I I get it. I remember seeing like... um, yeah, like the kid, like, you know, I worked at a Hot Topic during the time when, like, My Chemical Romance and all that, like, screamo, emo stuff was, like, really huge. And so all the kids were buying all that screamo trash. And I'd be <laughs> like, here's your fucking receipt. <laughs> Fuck off. You know, it's Hot Topic. And yeah. every once in a while, we'd get, like, that Joy Division shirt. And this was before everybody used the fucking Joy Division shirt. It was, like, the it blitz. shocked me that the that the Soundwave, yeah, Joy Division shirt showed up at Hot Topic one day. I was like, holy shit, someone at corporate is fucking cool, I guess. And yeah. uh, everyone, like, no one bought it. Like, of course I bought it. But no one bought it. And then, uh, but every once in a while, some kid would come in and buy one, and I'd be like, nice. Like, Dude, there's is, just the slider. There's a slider of nostalgia. And it's like, whatever day it is now, go back exactly 25 years from that. <laughs> and whoever right. was really into that stuff will buy it. Right, right. And, then, you know, the, the calendar switches and you just move it up. And you could do the same thing kind of with 35 years back and so right. on and so forth. The thing that sucks is, is that like, you know, and this is about manufacturing now. Welcome back to the show. But you know, it comes down to kind of like the interest, right? Like sometimes companies will put out something and you're like, holy shit, I never thought I'd see like a, you know, like a Bill and Ted box set that looks like the phone booth. You know, like uh-huh. I, I remember like being kind of in the minority for liking Bill and Ted in my 
in my world as growing up. And, um, you know, most people liked it, but you know, it was like, nobody talked about it or watched it over and over again. <laughs> yeah. Know? Um, but, uh, I went out for yeah. Halloween once as, uh, which one was Keanu Reeves? Ted. Ted. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I had the wristband with the watch in it <laughs> Yeah, and I had a guitar and I had to explain to everyone <laughs> who I was. There They're wasn't like, hey, Axl Rose. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, they'd be like, "Whoa, a rock and roll guy!" <laughs> Whoa, are you like, a roadie? Fuck your face! I'm fucking Ted S. Preston Esquire. Yeah, <laughs> dude. Like, it's funny because I always loved Bill and Ted, and uh, I love. I've always loved time travel things, and then I've always loved Bill and Ted for being. It's so, man, I have so much to say about Bill and Ted. And we are also like in the middle of a Bill and Ted kind of thing. That yeah, is we'll like, do that after the Beatles. Then. We'll do it after the Beatles. But oh, yeah, let's do a Bill and Ted thing after the Beatles. That's a great idea. All right. Anyway. All right. Um, so uh, Bill and Ted are great. And I just love how they're like, they're so sweet. And they just, they, they're just stupid. But they mean well. And they got big hearts. And that's like, yeah, really great. That's that transcends anything. But um, but yeah, I remember being like a kid and going like, man, I never thought I'd see the box set of that, like in a phone booth that I could have on my shelf as a as an adult collector. And I, I'm just yeah. thankful for like, but but they took a chance making that because they, you know, and they probably didn't make a ton of money off of it. So like, you know, sometimes it you, you just kind of have to hope that like some company thinks something you love is cool. They'll put it out for like a little bit. No one will buy it because you're the only one that likes it. And then, you know, and then you got that special thing. Kind of like when we put out our DB merch. Yeah. It's like, dude, we're thinking about putting out a vinyl record and Byron is very excited to like help us do that. We want to get a lot of our favorite bits together and put them on a vinyl record. Cause I just think that would be the funniest and most like over like most extra thing we could possibly do. But if you like the song, if you like the show, I think that would be a cool thing to have. So we're trying to gauge interest because it's going to be so expensive to even make. And we definitely <laughs> won't make any money off of it, but it's almost like the coolness factor outweighs how much money we won't make. Off right. <laughs> But it's cool because like when we were kids, like dude, and and then when we were teens collecting records and shit, like you would shuffle through and you'd be like, whoa, Steve Martin has a has a record or like, whoa, Cheech and Chong have a record. That's cool. Uh -huh. I, you know, in some degree, it's kind of like a an homage to that, like our, your comedy people that you liked in the comedy world might put out an album of their greatest hits and it's just them doing stand up or something, you right. know, and that shit's cool. Yeah, I I those George days. Carlin records, Richard Pryor, all the ones yeah. that you said. My Fuck dad yeah. was a huge Steve Martin fan. Um, Fuck and yeah, so dude. it was always nice. It's a different experience sitting there. It's like uh, listening to someone tell you a story in your in your living room. Right. And I know that podcasts are always like that, but podcasts, it's like, I don't know, records are so much more of a process. You have to like <laughs> yeah. get up and turn them over, you know, right. in a half an hour or 15 <laughs> minutes or whatever right. it is. Right. And there's that like very warm sound that they have. It's just different and it's nice. And I it know like different. when I first, yeah, when I first moved here, it was very comforting to uh, collect records and stuff like that. And it, it gave me something to do and something to look forward to every week. And, and so that would be nice. I've always liked in, in like movies about the fifties and sixties and even the seventies, 
and into the 80s and even the 90s and the 2000s even. But that's not the point. The point is, is I love me every year. Oh, yeah, every year. <laughs> every year had something good. 1985, <laughs> 2006 had Pick one. Pick a year. <laughs> um, but like I loved seeing like the family like listening to a record while they're all doing stuff like, you know, or or like you know, the cool dad is chilling by the fire with his gin and, or like his whiskey while he reads the newspaper and the records going. And so like, I like to put on a record when I'm like cleaning or something, or like when I'm cooking or doing something kind of like that. Cause you, you know, especially with cooking, it's like an organic process. So it's like, you go, you pick up the record, you like touch it and you don't you do that with your Spotify's it. kids. You can't touch a Spotify. You can't for a second but it feels like everything else you touch. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, People got to hear a little truth every now and again. <laughs> All right. So, Mike, last yes. we on the last podcast, we ended on um, still the early, early days of the Beatles, talking about the Beatles' yes. career. And you were going to go on about something I can't remember, but what year are we currently in? With right now we're in 1964 everything we've talked about so far was the beatles in england we talked about how they formed from john skiffle band who introduced who to who so on and so forth pete best um playing terrible drums eventually getting kicked out replaced with ringo <laughs> and then uh so the boys start writing these songs and they're immensely popular in england right and uh i don't know how it happens probably through the magic of brian epstein their manager right um who was instrumental in getting the beatles from just like a really good band to like a legitimately world famous band he was all the business part of that somehow without the internet sound travels across the ocean to america <laughs> i don't don't ask us to explain it I truly don't know. We don't know. Sorry. Again, there was no Spotify. So I think it is still a mystery. I think there was a, <laughs> there was a hurricane in the middle of the Atlantic right. and it carried some sound from England all right. the way to California. Right. Someone just so happened to be listening to the ocean one day and they're like, Hey, hang on a minute. That sounds pretty catchy. And then somebody they, had a shell up to their ear. Yeah. Yeah. And then someone came out with like a big recording device and was recording the sound coming from England. And that's how the Beatles got to the U S yes. <laughs> Which is the same way we get sound to aliens and Correct. fingers crossed. Correct. Fingers fucking crossed. Um, so they got a bunch of hits in England and they haven't yet made it over here. And as everybody knows, uh, 1964 ish, um, they come over to the United States and they, they play on the Ed Sullivan show and that's a fucking huge deal. That's like, the, um, that's like the moment, the turning point for them, I feel like. Yeah. And every celebrity they, you know, they interview Whoopi Goldberg and Eddie Izzard and like all of these um, famous people in this documentary, this eight days a week documentary. And they're all like um, my first exposure to the Beatles, like your mom said, was sitting around with their family watching the program that the whole family would watch. And in yeah. this case, it was the Ed Sullivan show. Little fun fact about Ed Sullivan, he sounds like he's doing safety instructions at Disneyland at all times. <laughs> and not only that, I've seen so many fake Ed Sullivans. 
because <laughs> you, whenever you see a Beatles thing, someone always recreates the fucking Ed Sullivan show thing. Or, yeah. or Ed Sullivan show was such a huge fucking show at the time, which was for those of you that are like, what the fuck is that? It was essentially like Conan O'Brien or like Jay. Yeah. Leno. Or like David Letterman. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so he, uh, but I've seen so many impersonators of Ed Sullivan that when you see the real Ed Sullivan, you're like, I don't even know if that's the real Ed Sullivan. Right. I thought that was Rod Stone. <laughs> right. Exactly. Hello, it's crazy everybody. how, uh, yeah, this is the Beatles. Okay, okay, okay. Calm uh, down, kids. Calm down. Here we go. It's the Beatles. Okay, everyone, get ready to change your underpants. We got four lads from across the pond. <laughs> he also seemed to kind of hate children. You know, <laughs> <laughs> he had that vibe because because the kids get all crazy because it's the Beatles and um, but this was still before it's like manic to them. Uh, to yeah, people. this is like. Everyone, so it's funny how everybody watches this show to just like, they just tell you what's popular in entertainment. You know, it's like now you you hear stuff, you see a TikTok thing that blows up and you're like, what the fuck is that? Now you, or you see it might and now you don't. Now you see it, you don't sometimes, <laughs> but things can become popular and part of the zeitgeist and popular culture for so many different reasons. But back then, since there were so few outlets, it's like you heard stuff on the radio and either you liked it or you didn't. Right. Or you saw them on this show where Ed Sullivan was straight up like, this is the most popular thing in the world right now. This is the new thing that you're going to like for right. a bunch of years. Because it was like, how are we going to get this to the most possible people? And at the time, it was like either radio or TV. You could do yeah. a movie, but you had to build up to that, which I hope, yeah. which we're going to get to in 1967, I think. Oh, but, absolutely. And I think even before, before then, that, I'm trying before to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because Hard Day's Night was the first one. Right. That came out kind of during this like British invasion of America things. Mm -hmm. And there were, you know, there were other bands. I'm going to screw this up because I didn't look it up. But there were other bands also coming from, you know, that area of the world that I think came in either around the same time or right after once the Beatles kind of kicked the door open. And uh, we'll get into all that. Right. But um. So they play this show and my favorite thing about watching all the footage of them coming to America is that people losing their goddamn minds. People would, they would scream and play loud, fast music <laughs> and people would lose their goddamn minds. Lose their minds. goddamn minds. Yeah. So like, we got like, sent. And there, Sorry, there isn't even anything like particularly like, um, like titillating occurring in the in the moment like there isn't like it's not like you they're saying what? like i'm gonna kiss you right now like and and they're telling people like they're just singing these words and every word is like they're giving everyone orgasms like yeah. it doesn't matter what the word is or what they're even doing it's just that people are just fucking going nuts for these guys well, I disagree with that to a certain extent because all of the music was about like boy-girl relationships and they're right. singing to teenagers who are like coming into their own and right. feeling their hormones and shit. Right. And it was like this mixture of music that they had never seen like- Right, 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 right. Four white dudes play, really. They'd never seen uh, English- people British play boys. it so there was yeah. so much like new and exciting about it it yeah. was a blend of all these 
bits of music that people like Chuck Berry music and Elvis right. music, but now there's like four young boys doing it. And it didn't hurt that they were not bad to look at. <laughs> right. Except for Ringo, arguably. But sometimes <laughs> when you're that unique looking, you stick out because you're not as cute as the other ones. Right. And that becomes your thing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Man, poor Ringo, you know? Poor Ringo, dude. I'm not, nobody's so, poor Ringo. Nobody should say poor Ringo. No, poor Ringo. Ringo hasn't been poor since, what is it? 1962, <laughs> probably. <laughs> right. Um, oh, one more thing I fun. wanted to say about... Um, <laughs> The Ed Sullivan show, because I feel like we're we're kind of done with that part, right? Like we're just moving on, like we're we're trucking. Uh, not yet. I oh, wanted okay. to have you play. Someone pulled a clip oh, for right, us. Right, 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 right. Um, which is like when the plane lands in America, and Ringo has this nice conversation in this documentary about how like they felt so welcomed that it was almost like they felt like the crowd was like. Uh, or New York was like drawing them in from the plane, even before they landed the plane, they felt like very welcome and they couldn't wait to get off. And then as they're descending, you know, all the camera crews and all the news outlets, they hear about this British invasion. So they're all there to catch like the Beatles first steps on American soil. Right. And uh, someone sent me this clip. I think their name is in the email of the newscasters just losing, losing it. Jeff Simpson. And Jeff, thank you so much for this. Cause I didn't even, I've watched this two times and I definitely would, it wouldn't have even registered if you didn't send this to me, but it's too good to not address head on. Brett registered. Brett, nothing even <laughs> Brett registered to me. Okay. Let me get the volume good and ready here. Okay. okay so this All is right. them coming off the plane and the newscasters, Absolutely losing their mind. Okay. <laughs> wow, he is going nuts. Look at him wiggle. Look at him wiggle. Like like a sportscaster. Talking yeah. about a ball going into a thing. Yeah. Look at it go! <laughs> Look at it go! Look at it go! <laughs> the ball's in the thing! The ball's in the thing! It looks like he's... Oh, fuck! Hand in the pocket! Hand in the pocket! Hand in the pocket! <laughs> <laughs> Look at his hair! It's on top of his head! And the wind's blowing it around! And the wind's blowing it around! <laughs> oh, we got his eye! One blink! Two blink! Three blinks! <laughs> We have someone at the studio count the blinks. <laughs> well, we had on the blinks, Tony. All right, let's listen to this next clip. <laughs> I got something in my head, you know, and all the walls of Rome couldn't stop me. <laughs> You're right, pickled onion. Then we went out to help. Oh, 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 these are just his favorite clips. These are just now favorite quotes from the show, from the documentary. Oh, okay, so this is skipping around a little bit. Yeah, yeah. You, should we listen to these really quick? Let's listen to these. You can, sure. Okay, so these are favorite quotes from the documentary Mike's talking about. Uh, hard day. What's it called? I mean, let's just keep it. We're very like on topic right now. So okay, let's just okay. keep it like right. this. All right. So they come down and they immediately start showing their personality to a hungry American public in the form of interviews with American journalists. Right. 
And I don't know. I mean, this is there's probably some of this in the clip. We should probably listen to the clip. <laughs> but they just fuck with journalists at all times. Like John, oh, yeah, especially. Yeah. Like they're all like cheeky and witty and stuff. And even Eddie Izzard, who is an absolutely perfect, amazing British comedian, talks about um, dealing with hecklers and how you win and how you gain the respect from the audience is like, you say the first thing that comes to your mind, it's usually the funniest thing. Right. And they're being like this very casually with like every American reporter. There's this one clip of like John, he gets interviewed by this guy and this guy clearly isn't like familiar. Oh, I know which one you're talking about. <laughs> and so he, like, you could tell they're getting ready to record or go live or whatever. And it's like, okay, what was your name again? And instantly John goes, Eric. Eric. <laughs> it's okay, Eric. Uh, two, three, and we're on. We're here with Eric and John goes, it's John. It's always been John. <laughs> And just like, you know, this guy blows it and you never hear from this reporter ever again. Probably, <laughs> Probably got not. fired. But the thing is, is like, imagine that, imagine at this Bad point in their lives, they're not like necessarily untouchable yet. Like they are, they are exploding. It, it's the British invasion in the U.S. at this point. Um, but, but the U it's like the U.S. it's their first exposure to them. Right. So it'd be the equivalent of like some news guy going up to like Kesha or something or like Kanye and going like, can ye or like what? Or like, you know, how do you say your name, sir? Or whatever. Here we have K a dollar sign <laughs> Sasha. And she has a new song about getting drunk with a mom. K a dollar sign. Sasha. This, this is Lee, 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 Kim. Lee, Lee, Kim. Here we have an exclusive interview with Small Kim. She took home several BET awards. Kim, yeah. So like I, you know, I. But obviously that guy probably feels like felt like an idiot forever after that because he's dead now. You know, yeah. yeah, and and good because we don't need him here to screw shit up anymore. But that could have been like the first Adele Dazim. Yeah. You know what's interesting? It's like I read these articles where they didn't really they blew up in their home country first you know and yeah. you have to expand to take over the world and to you know be rich and everything have your music heard by the most number of people especially when things like the internet don't exist mm -hmm. and they knew that they knew that the internet didn't exist so they knew they had to get out there right but they didn't really care about their perception in america at all so i think when people come over here for the first time or, you know, you see it when um, like an actor or an entertainer is super nervous on like a tonight show or something like that. I'm sure they were very excited, but I never got the impression with all the stuff that I watched, like they're very relaxed and they're very like witty and quick. Yeah. 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 So it's like, they're never like, Oh, if I, if I flub this interview, it's over. They don't care. Cause there's already yeah. like soccer stadiums of people singing their lyrics you know, during football matches, they don't give a shit right. what this television reporter thinks. Of and them. they don't need to, and like, man, they, they were so brilliant at being like, like very, yeah. Like everything just rolled right off their shoulders essentially. And, and, and they kept that wit throughout their entire career. Like, and they, and they really kept that like, like, j like kind of fucking with everybody kind of like demeanor. And I, and I think that's like, 
really awesome. Cause even, cause yeah. we were talking about before we started rolling about George Harrison and the guy that like broke into his house when he was way older, like a few years before he died and the guy broke into his house and stabbed him. And then he like made a joke to the press about like his band that like someone had just left or whatever. And it's like, dude was like old and got stabbed and he was still making jokes like to the press. And I think that's just like awesome. I've always loved that about them. Well, if you think about it, dude, by they had so much attention on them. Yeah. By like fucking 1966, 67, they're doing like help and, uh, and rubber soul. Yeah. And they're sick of like photo shoots and interviews with the press by then. Right. You know, and the press is like, especially to them, like they were never let alone ever. And at first it was very exciting, but I would imagine that it wears on, you know, your entire self as a person pretty quickly after that. So it was like half witty, super excited to be here. Christmas morning, Beatles times, you know? Right. And probably half like, I don't give a fuck if this interview ends in two seconds because we're going to be the Beatles, whether or not, no matter how we show up in your paper or on your news broadcast, you know? Right. And they were drinking a lot and they did have like, this is the, the, the like fab four era of the Beatles right. where so many like to remember them fondly as like, they're just cute guys in suits, but right. like some of them are married and their marriages are being suppressed. They're <laughs> drinking a lot. They're like being right. straight up dicks to the press. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times it's very funny. <laughs> yeah. Most <laughs> but, of the time it's funny. Right. But it's also like they're being, um, presented as like pop stars, you know? Right. And they have this very clean image where, you know, thanks to Brian Epstein, they're wearing these suits everywhere. So they must be nice young lads and they have (laughs) a very proper accent. Yeah. They had a great like image. Like they, they, it's just, everything was so picture perfect for these guys. Like literally, like they just, there weren't any missteps, you know, until like, that's what happens when you have a smart, rich, gay guy being like, dress (laughs) like this, chaps, dress a a posh, rich, gay guy. (laughs) Cause before they hooked up with him, they were like, what I would imagine like a stand-up comedian would be like now the equivalent is like a, like t-shirt and shitty jeans or like a hoodie that's clearly been washed like a thousand times. (laughs) Right. Right. You know, they were like leather jackets and t-shirts and they kind of like dressed shitty on stage. And they were like, you know, you could look like every other band being sweaty in your leather jacket, or you could have these like five custom made suits and and boots and look exactly like everybody else. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I just, it's just, everything felt so perfectly into place with them. And it, and if it hadn't, we, I don't think we'd be talking about them, you know, no. it's just, and nothing is, you can't replicate any of this. Like it was just like a snapshot of those exact moments in time, which makes it mm-hmm. so much more fascinating and, and studyable, you know, or like researchable. Cause you're just like, yeah. where is this magic coming from? And what, what was it like when they were touring and, and what was it like when, like when, when things got tough for them, like, and what were their personal relationships like? And it's just like, so interesting. It's just forever interesting. Yeah. Um, so at this point they're you know, I think one of the things that contributed to people latching on and, and then becoming people's favorites instantly is like, like we've been saying, like they knew who they were before they even came over here. 
you right. know, they're not like finding themselves in the eye of the press. They're coming over here and they're responding to questions exactly how they would for the voice of their personality. So you right. can look at these four guys and be like, that one's like that, that one's like that, that one's like that, and that one's like that. Right. I'm like this one, that one's my favorite. When they all get together, they make my favorite music. Right. And there's like instantly, you don't really have to learn about them because they're through how they act and through how they interact with these people, like being so funny, you tell somebody a lot about your personality with the way you joke around. And yeah, you know, like uh, I have this quote from George when they, they're always asking about their haircuts. There's always like, yeah. how'd you get that? How did you get that haircut? Right. <laughs> Cause everyone in the sixties kind of has the same like um, Lego guy hair you know <laughs> right, right and then john is come and like his shit is like combed a different way and they're like how did you make, make your hair go yeah like what that? is how did excuse me sir how does hair yeah yeah and how so do that's you considered hair? like <laughs> so how does your and next question just for the hair <laughs> there was a there was a clip in some documentary it might have been this one where, that we we've been talking about but someone goes like you plan on getting a haircut or something like some American, like, you know, some blue collar. What do you get? Do you plan on getting a haircut? Hippies? And then like one of them's like, no, or they all go together. Like, no. And then one of them's like, as a matter of fact, George got his haircut last night or so. Yeah. George and, says it. Yeah. Yeah. George goes, <laughs> I got mine cut yesterday. Yeah. And it still looks like, you know, their hairstyle. Yeah. Everyone <laughs> yeah. just starts laughing. Cause it's like, they don't give a fuck, dude. They're just there yeah. to like, you guys need to accept us. We're not going to change for you guys. Look this, how good yeah. we've already become. Now right, we, right. now you get to watch us be as good as we were right. over there in front of you. Right. So one of the celebrities that they interview is Whoopi Goldberg. And Whoopi Goldberg um, talks about how, you know, her and her family watched them on the Ed Sullivan show. Mm -hmm. And like, she, uh, welcome. She <laughs> saw them. And because so many things were so drastically different than what they were used to in the pop culture eye, she's like, I looked at the Beatles. I didn't even see them as like four white dudes. I just saw them as an excuse to like something different. Right. And then that leads everybody like me and you talking about Nirvana or fucking Joy Division or whatever. It's like, as soon as you know that you could like something coming into your teenage years, a little left of center like that, you're like, what else could I do that's different? And then you right. start to shape your personality. And I think the Beatles were that for that entire generation. It, they it allowed like, they people, look different. Yeah. Yeah. They look different. They sound different. They, you know, no other band dresses like this, whatever. And, and that's, they start to find their identity as a teenager in, you know, in, uh, in them. Um, before we move on, we should jump into the ads. Okay. And, um, Mike, do you have something special planned for us or? Thank you for teeing me up. Uh, I just want to see if this works if I could do the ad from now on, because we've been given too much money to those goddamn uh, free royalty free sites. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. At this point, we should just sign up for one. That, <laughs> you know, that just yes. Has, I think that'd be smart. That we could just use. <laughs> but hey, I think this is even better than any of that. Ladies and gentlemen, may I present to you the ad portion of Dynamic Banter featuring the musical stylings of Mr. Michael Falzone.
Can we hear that? Yes. guys have you heard of liquid iv if you haven't i know that it's kind of an interesting name it makes you think what, what, what is this going into my blood what do we got stuff going into my blood well kind of but not in the way you think guys liquid iv is just man how do i explain it basically one stick of liquid iv in 16 ounces of water it's like a powder gives you two to three times the amount of hydration as plain water. And man, during these times when it's hard to focus on yourself and realize that you have to be drinking lots and lots and lots of water uh, because it's very healthy and it's good for you, uh, I forget a lot. And uh, what ends up happening is, is I feel really not great, dehydrated and tired. And then I realize I haven't been drinking enough water. And so when we got our first shipment of liquid IV to test on the show, I was like, okay, I like the idea of something that's like ultra hydrating that I can just like put into my water, drink. And then it's like, boom, I just had like two to three times the amount of hydration. And I'm like, this is what I need because I forget about drinking normal water. And so I tried it, and it's delicious, and it tastes so... I don't know, there's just something about the taste, and then the way you feel afterwards. You're truly giving yourself the gift of delicious electrolytes and vitamins and potassium. As a matter of fact, more vitamin C than an orange, and as much potassium as a banana. And it's healthier than sugary sports drinks. There's no artificial flavors or preservatives, and there's less sugar than an apple. So it's not like this super sweet thing that you shouldn't drink all the time because this or that. It's actually really good stuff, really helpful, help fight off all the dumb things that happen with dehydration. And guys, what makes Liquid IV so effective? Well, it's the cellular transport technology. Ready for this? The optimal ratio of glucose, sodium, and potassium delivers water and nutrients into the bloodstream. It's the perfect balance to help you hydrate more quickly and effectively than water alone. And like I said before, one stick of liquid IV in 16 ounces of water can give you as much hydration as two to three bottles of plain water. I mean, it's a no-brainer, guys, but don't take our word for it. If you want to taste some of the delicious flavors they have, like strawberry or, um, you know, I think there's like a lime and all those. I don't know. There's a bunch of flavors. Just go to, um, ooh, they're at Costco if you have Costco membership. Or you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use the code BANTER at checkout. That's 25% off anything you order when you use the promo code BANTER at liquidiv.com. Hey, get better hydration today at liquidiv.com. Beautiful seat. Dude, you're beautiful. Are you kidding me? I felt like I was in a... In a AT&T commercial or something. <laughs> <laughs> Close. <laughs> Why don't we guess it? Are, you, are you planning a little uh, little drum session there? Or is that like, uh, ooh, that's what I'm talking about. Because you <laughs> know what? Really Mike? No, it sounds great. Because uh, I'm feeling like getting getting my body working a little. 
So maybe I got a little something that makes me want to move and get up and do a little workout, maybe? Maybe those of you listening and you're sitting on your couch or at your desk or something, maybe you can get up and just start moving to the beat, baby. Move your leg, move your leg, move your little baby leg. Move that leg, move your leg, move your little baby. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, let's talk about cross rope. Speaking of uh, moving your body a little bit, it's the perfect time to jumpstart your New Year fitness goals. Come on, guys. You know, let's just like work on ourselves. Okay, it's January. And it gives us a fresh start to achieve our fitness goals. You can get cross rope and jump in with both feet. (laughs) With limited fitness options right now, guys, cross rope offers a fun workout you can do at home. It's just 30 minutes with cross rope's patented weighted jump rope system that gets you an intense cardio workout with the added benefits of full body resistance training. Guys, I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I'm stagnant during this thing i'm sitting on couches and desk chairs and i'm writing and working and streaming and podcasting and doing all the things that you do while sitting your darn butt down on a seat but i'll tell you what cross rope does cross rope gives me a chance to do a little nice cardio workout something really good for my body indoors or at the park or something, you know? That's the best thing about jump ropes. They're portable. They, they, you know, you can fit them anywhere. You can fit a jump rope. Think about a jump rope really quick. Now think about storing that. That's what you can do with cross rope. Right, Mike? You can store it if you want. You can store it. <laughs> and that's up to you. Guys, you can get a full body workout you can do anywhere even at home with cross rope and they've got those patented weighted jump rope system which is uh it's a calorie oh and there's a calorie burning cardio workout with full body resistance training for a complete workout in just 30 minutes and there's an app where you can track all your progress and there's just a bunch of cool stuff guys so why don't you jump start your 2021 fitness journey with cross rope for a limited time save 50 dollars on Crossrope's most popular jump rope fitness bundle at crossrope.com slash banter. That's $50 off a get fit bundle at crossrope.com slash banter. It's banter. Hey guys, one more ad. How about that? And then we'll move on. Ooh, we're dropping the D, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Buckle up. Hey guys, you heard of HelloFresh? What is HelloFresh? Well, HelloFresh gets you fresh 
pre-measured ingredients, and mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. HelloFresh lets you skip those trips to the grocery store and makes home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. And that's why it's America's number one meal kit, guys. HelloFresh cuts out stressful meal planning and grocery store trips so that you can enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table in about 30 minutes or less. And HelloFresh offers 23 plus recipes each week, featuring a range of flavors, cuisines, and ingredients so you'll never get bored. And eating healthier has never been easier. With low-cal, carb-smart, vegetarian, and pescatarian options every week. And no matter what you choose, every single recipe is packed with fresh produce sourced directly from farmers. And hey, why don't you cut down on those grocery bills, Johnny? And food waste, Sally. HelloFresh delivers pre-portioned ingredients so you're not overbuying, which is a burden on the planet, guys, and your wallet, but more importantly on the planet. You heard of that, Mike? Guys, I've yes. done uh, HelloFresh myself. I've used all their fresh ingredients. Everything's so easy to do. The recipes are easy to follow. It makes anybody feel like a world-class chef. And, man, it's so nice to be served a meal that you made yourself. Everybody loves to be made. Like, when someone makes food, there's just more love put into it. More of a personal experience for you and a loved one and your family. So, guys, I don't have to keep talking about how great HelloFresh is because you will find out yourself if you go to HelloFresh.com slash 10banter. That's right, HelloFresh.com slash 10 banter and why is that because when you use the code 10 banter as well you get 10 free meals including free shipping guys 10 free meals all right that's right at hellofresh.com slash 10 banter and the offer code 10 banter you get 10 free meals including free shipping (laughs) guys come on hellofresh is america's number one meal kit and find out why yourself thanks hellofresh Wow, Mike, that was great. What a wonderful that accompaniment. Yeah, that's it. We did it. Great. Great job, Steve. Great job, Mike. Good job, us. Hooray, us, and hooray for everything. Hooray for everyone. Hooray for everyone and everything. Dude, couple more things about <laughs> 1964. Yeah. And then we'll just move on. Let's we might still be in 1964, 1965 next time because I want to hear what people have to say by this point. Um, I've got a lot to say about 1967. Oh, okay. Well, we'll get there eventually. We'll get there. And, <laughs> and not only this, we have your, um, Beatles history roads. I saw, yeah. I, I peeked in the old email box and you guys yeah. sent in quite a few Beatles history roads. So I'm very excited to get to some of those. And also, I really want to get to that. Um, really, really quickly. If somebody out there is listening to this with musical abilities of some sort, I think it would be really cool if someone made a Beatles history road, like some kind of like mashup oh, I get. that we could play for the, the, Be- the Beatles history road edition of history road. So if there's some, somebody out there with musical know-how and 
even if we don't end up using yours as the one, we'll play every single one you send to us. Because I'm sure the that'll be fun. In history <laughs> roads. Let's go. <laughs> that's great i love that yeah if someone wants to have some fun with it but you know in within the means of us not getting in trouble because of copyrighted beatles songs but um, right yeah if you want to have some fun with like a very short clip or some kind of weird beatlesy history road we'd love that anyway sorry mike continue no not at all Th- those are all great points um th- the impression especially after watching this again last night the impression that i got of You know, this is still very much John's band, but him and Paul are just like straight up fucking machines writing a song, bless you, in the morning. (laughs) Thank you. And Paul was played guitar and he was left-handed and John played guitar, so he was right-handed. So they said teaching each other songs was like super easy and they would be, you know, they would come up with a really um, catchy song. They'd be able to teach it to each other real easy because it was like playing in a mirror. And then they said that the lyrics like, just straight up weren't really of substance back then. They were just like, you love the girl, you can't get the girl, they're in love, we're in love. And if you look back, I was going to have us do a thing where we analyze Beatles lyrics, but it would just be boring as fuck. Because he was like, okay, love me do, I love you, please love me do. What about true? I'll always be true. Shut up, George! They hit him. (laughs) Fuck off, George. Fuck off, George. Ain't nothing in your head, George, but cokey nuts. (laughs) George is like saying all these profound things. What if you rhymed love me do? I always, the way I understand. (laughs) Fuck you, George. The way I understood it about George was, or the thing I understood about George was he, he like, he kind of was just along for the ride was very good at guitar. And then when he started to like, try to contribute music, they were all like, nah, no, 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 we don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> and then well, they he, would give him and Ringo like one song because they had to. Right. But, but they, then- but, but they were considered similar in the sense that they weren't good songwriters and yeah. the songs they brought to the table didn't necessarily excite John or or uh, Paul at all. <laughs> yeah. And so they would just kind of be like, they'd feel like left out a little bit. And then right. fucking George writes, here comes the sun. And it's like, you know, and then it's like, holy shit, why haven't they been letting this guy write more music? But the way right. I understood it was, is that like, you know, his, his input wasn't appreciated. So us going like, fuck you, George, is probably not too far off from how they treated him. (laughs) I'm sure he was also like happy just to like, dude, it's very funny because he had this one song. I think it was on hard days night where it's like, I'm happy just to dance with you. (laughs) And that is kind of like a very George thing. John's like, I want to fuck your hand or whatever. And Paul's like, here's We all look like this and we're alone, aren't we? And then George is like, I'm happy just to be here. Why don't you get your hand and put it in like this? Then I'll get close to that hand and then I'll fuck your hand. I'm gonna fuck your hand. 
Like, um, George is like, maybe hold the hand. <laughs> Isn't that just a hand job? Shut up, Ringo. Fuck you. Dude, so they, they talk about, <laughs> they called it a handy. I think <laughs> they call it a manual. <laughs> um, so they're like writing all these hit songs on the road and in hotel rooms. And they have all these, like, you know, the archival footage of, of them, answering phone calls and mm. just like jerking around in hotel and rooms the fan and mail stuff the big bag of fan mail yeah and the fan stuff. mail and there's one clip where i don't know if they did it like after what what is the additional sound recording uh in movies what is that called oh, ADR? Oh, adr or vo yeah yeah i don't know if it was that or if it was like legit, just like serendipitous, whatever. I'd like to think Ron Howard put it in there on purpose because it's fucking awesome. But there's this one clip of them all kind of jerking around in the hotel room and like, you know, with a guitar, or with like a random instrument that they have. And John has one of those keyboards that you blow into. Yeah, yeah. And he does this riff that sounds like the beginning of um, Strawberry Fields. Whoa. And this is like four or five years before oh, that would fuck. happen. And it's so fucking cool. If you want to go watch it, it's at like uh, around the 31 minute Damn, mark. That's so rad. Um, Dude, I fucking love. I, I mean, it, talking about the Beatles makes me love the Beatles even more. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, man. Have you did you ever see love at um, in Vegas? They're the Cirque du Soleil show. No, man. I really hope that all comes back someday because that show was incredible and and it was the, the music was the first time that they were able to actually go back to the original Beatles recordings and were allowed to like break them apart and remix them and like take out background sounds and bring their vocals up and like basically it was the first time they were allowed to remix the Beatles and so yeah. that love album just on its own is fucking I remember phenomenal. that album phenomenal it's like I had that I've yeah. never seen the show ever but I had that it was like a two disc thing oh yeah it's dude it's yeah. incredible I highly recommend if you've never if you're listening to this and you've never heard love like get your favorite libation and turn off all the lights, put on a good pair of headphones and just listen to it from beginning to end. It's just a beautiful experience, but there's a moment where you hear there's a strawberry fields, uh, remix or whatever in it, where it, it starts with the synth, just the doon, doon, ding, doon, ding, just the thing uh -huh. you were talking about that he was playing on the harpsichord or whatever the fuck it is. But man, it's just, they're so good, man. They just knew they just like had music in their hearts and their souls and they and they would just make it with their fucking hands and mouths. And it's just like incredible transcendent shit. Yeah, it's very nice. Like I'm a simp for the Beatles, dude. Hell yeah, man. I think hardcore a lot of people. I don't think we're alone in that at all. Um. I think there was a really cool, uh, we kind of touched on it before, but there was a really cool cut in the documentary where they talk about, you know, they, they show you kind of how big they were from going from an interview where they talk about how the Beatles don't really care too much about football. Like they don't have a favorite soccer team or anything. Right. And then they cut to an arena, a football stadium of people like soccer hooligans that are just like moving in a wave of people singing she loves you so oh yeah by the man, end of 1960 so cool. 
isn't that crazy to be like, that's like if me and you fucking were like, yeah, we don't really watch football. And then everyone in Giant Stadium in North Rutherford, New Jersey is like, uh, you know, fucking singing the chicken bake song or some <laughs> shit like that. Yeah. By or the they've got history night- road signs up. Or yeah, <laughs> yeah. History road. History road. <laughs> yeah. Damn, that's uh, That would never happen. By the no, end of it, 1964, it, for the about. first time, what you say? I said it's interesting to think about, Mike. It is interesting to think about. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that's a great point. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for interrupting me with that. Please. <laughs> Dude, I just wanted to say, uh, this is something I didn't catch the first two times through either. By the end of 1964, they have the top five records of the year. All top, it's the only time in history where the top five spots were all the, the same, same artist from the same artist. Damn. Do you think you can name the five songs? Oh, in yeah. 1964, I, I bet. Oh, oh, of the Beatles. In 1964. Yeah. Think about like very early shaking their heads around Beatles. Yeah. Is, there, is it, is there like, um, uh, like girls or something? Is girls in there? It's just called girls or boys. Boys. Is boys in there? No. Okay. You're Let's... thinking of the most popular early Beatles songs of all time and you say girls and boys. No, you said 64. <laughs> 64 these are like the the height of like Beatlemania but they hadn't written like Strawberry Fields or anything yet no that's like 68 yeah 67 yeah so it's like I want to hold your hand and stuff like that yeah I want to hold your hand as one of them yeah but that's why I was I'm trying to think of the deeper ones that like I wouldn't expect to be these aren't even like deep I'll just tell you what they are oh they're not deep cuts okay yeah go for it no these are like the top popular songs yeah, in the so, in the USA. Yeah. It was number 1 was Can't Buy Me Love. Yeah. Number 2 was Twist and Shout. Yeah. Number 3 was She Loves You. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. She Loves You. Yeah, yeah. So there was tired of hearing it. she's an alcoholic. Leave there's <laughs> And then there's, I want to hold your hand and then please please me. We're the top Please song. please me. Yeah. There's a there's a uh, um, a Beatles line in in some Naked Gun or something with Leslie Nielsen in it, where he's like talking to this woman and he's like breaking up with her or something, and he goes to quote the Beatles, "She loves you, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah." yeah. <laughs> like he's like, you don't love me, but um, <laughs> please, please me isn't even really that great of a song if I could say so. Hot take. It's all the same stuff. It's all like really catchy, really nice melodies. And then just like very simple, like last night I said these words to my girl. <laughs> but also um, the, uh, the, what was the other one? Oh, twist and shout isn't even their song. Right. But that was the point where they were like, you know, they would cover some, it's almost like, the way fame works is you have to get really famous doing something that's very um, comfortable and easily ingestible for the most amount of people. So you have to do, they call it a, um, a nuanced take on the familiar. It's like you take the familiar, 
And, you know, it's like how all these musicians got famous on YouTube for doing cover songs. Right. You know, and you take a familiar thing and you put your own twist on it. And they did a lot of cover songs when they first came over. But isn't it um, interesting how, like, imagine huge artists of today, like, like imagine Justin Timberlake got famous, not like with the Backstreet Boys, because they covered songs. Like, it yeah. was just all cover songs. They, there have been be a so lot of people who their first their first big song is like a cover of somebody else. Yeah, like Alien Ant Farm did um, Smooth Criminal. Smooth Criminal yeah. That guy Je- was it Jeffrey Gaines did that uh, In Your Eyes by Peter Gabriel. Oh, I don't remember. You know what that. I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And or Gary then, uh, Jules Mad World. Oh yeah, that's perfect. Because like, what did that guy do? <laughs> right, but we know his name, but we don't know anything else. <laughs> right, exactly. Right, but it, but it, but think- like, um, it's it's like I I can't think of too many artists that like started off covering, and then they're like their own music is like what is incredible about them. Not that they covered songs well. Like the it's it's like they ended up being amazing artists, despite yeah. the fact that they used other people's music to kind of like you know rise up a little bit it's very it's very well, what about awesome. like queen irby remember uh who what was the fucking band <sighs> there in this generation now there are a bunch of musicians who later came into their own right as like a singer songwriter but that started like straight up just covering songs on on youtube yeah and so what the Beatles did was almost like a little bit more of a subtle version than that. Cause they yeah. would have like one, two of their songs. I think that's how you made like a single back then. It's like you did a cover and then the other side would be like one of your songs. So like you right. sneak your own stuff in there. Isn't it funny how like when, when anybody else did that, it was like instantly people would tune out. Like, like you'd be playing like Layla or something, or you do like D- don't stop believing or Wonderwall, and everyone's like, yeah. And then you're like, this one's called kiss me. I'm alone. And then everyone's like, fuck this man. Hey, let me get another yeah. drink. <laughs> but it's like, oh, when it's the-, the bathroom song. He's playing the bathroom He's playing song. The ba- <laughs> exactly. But when the yeah. Beatles did, it, it was like, oh shit, this is like good. Yeah. This is actually good. Yeah. You guys are good. Well, if you like, if you really, really like, the way the band plays the cover, you want to hear more from them. If you're listening to it because you just love the song, then you can go either way. Right. You know, but if you're listening to it because the band puts such an interesting twist on it, then you want to hear more from that band. And eventually it's like, you know, like, uh, with being a standup, it's like you, you tell the audience about you, you tell them about your family. So they get who you are. Right. You know, if they walk through the door and you're just a stranger, Dude, first 15 minutes point. is like telling them about you. And then once you have them, then you show them who you are as an artist. And, you know, it's, yeah. I, I was watching this and I took a bunch of notes about how the YouTube algorithm and IG promote a lot of the, the same thing over and over again. And like the YouTube algorithm doesn't really know where to put you right? Um, and how to show you to other people if you're doing a bunch of different things and taking a bunch of chances. But if you do the same thing over and over again, you'll at least get out to that many people that when you start to break away from that, you'll reach way less people. But hopefully by that point, you have an audience that cares about what you're doing and wants to hear more from you right. and wants you to change eventually. Right. So, um, Mike, I'm going to grab some water really quick. Okay. I, I just yeah, realized I'm do. thirsty as garbage. Yeah. And Excuse when you me. do, we'll, when you come back, we'll do the history roads. I'll that wrap sounds up. great. 
Um, there's a bunch of cool parts in the documentary about how they talk about they traveled with this very like straight laced photographer reporter for a little while and they'd always fuck with him and they talk about how dangerous it was to travel with the Beatles, especially for a loser photographer. They were just always in danger of getting trampled and uh, they show them going in and out of trains. If you've never seen the movie Hard Day's Night, the first couple scenes are just them running away from like hordes and hordes of uh, screaming girls, basically. And I think that the, uh, you know, they didn't have to fake that much at all. They just said, you know, you hundred girls, do you want to see the Beatles? And then they would just fucking run after them. And people really do that, dude. Me and Steve have been to um, VidCons where, you know, British YouTubers would come over for the first time. And all of a sudden, everyone at, at the first couple of VidCons or the first couple of Playlist Lives are screaming their fucking asses off and physically running after like little British YouTubers or little cute, um, you know, pop star American Just YouTubers. Attractive like, people. <clears throat> that kind of mania like really, really happens. Yeah. Um, so I guess I'll end with, no, we could pick that up next time. We'll pick it up next time. I want to talk about how the Beatles came over, <clears throat> you know, 64, 65. It's kind of like the height of segregation. Mm -hmm. And they straight up wouldn't play to like segregated crowds. Fuck yeah. And they kind of very naturally like were, you know, one of the first groups speaking out against that. Fuck yeah, dude. They didn't make it their whole thing or whatever. But, you know, uh, Whoopi Goldberg talks about, or there's a couple people who talk about um, going to a concert the first time. Dr. Kitty Oliver. Um, the Beatles came to her town and it was, you know, she was talking about, she lived in Jacksonville, Florida, I guess. And like the only white person who came to her town before that was like a salesman who came there once a month. And that was like <laughs> the white dude they knew. Yeah. And then like when the Beatles came, it was the first time they, they had fun in a massive group of people with like all different types of people. And they and included everybody. The yeah. Yeah. And they refused to play. And they went everywhere. Like you, it's hard to imagine, but like during their touring years, like anybody could see the Beatles. Uh -huh. Like you could see them like you could just go and pay the two cents or whatever fuck it costs to like <laughs> see that, you know, that's a that's, you know, a hyper. Yeah. It was like between like five and fifteen dollars, depending. Like, right. I think but my uncle got a ticket. Them. Yeah. 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 They were available. I mean, they played in stadiums and it was before fucking people played in stadiums. Like right. we'll talk about when they went to Shea Stadium and the speaker system was all shitty because they just weren't designed set to up for broadcast music, music right, over that right. you know they were now they were designed to be like batting next number eight <laughs> also speaking of the covers a beatles live show have you ever listened to like a beatles concert bootleg mike um not that i could remember i had a bunch but they weren't uh i had like the live at the bcc where they did their first like big, you know, they'd sit at the BCC for three hours and they play a lot of cover songs and things that influence yeah, them and stuff. That, that's what it was. It was like mostly cover songs. And then they go like, I want to hold your hand and please, please me and things like that. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's interesting to listen to that because it really is just kind of like, you know, this is before they had their like 
you know, endless discography of music. So an yeah. early Beatles show is mostly covers, which is interesting. Anyway. Dude, can I kick off the history roads with this one real quick DM I got? Yeah. Uh, this guy, Sam Weaver, was like, hey, Mike, I got a kick out of this. Uh, I got a kick out of this after the Beatles DB. My grandpa played in a rival pub band to the Beatles in Hamburg in the 60s. Whoa. And were one of those ones that didn't make it so big. Ha ha. He Wait. told me so many stories about the red light district, 10 hour gigs, being fed speed by the club owners to keep the band awake, etc. Here's a club of them in their fancy outfit. Or here's a picture of them in their fancy outfits. And here's a picture of this dude's fucking grandfather no in this fucking way. band with their cool guitars and their Super sweaty button down shirts. To Beatles. Look, they they have a Beatles look. Yeah. Dude, that's what happens, man. Somebody blows up and and everyone takes a little bit from them because it right. seems to work. And then you shed your influences and you make it or you don't make it. But that was from Sam Weaver. So thank you very much, Sam. All right. Well, let's jump into these dang history roads. That was a prehistory road from Sam. Thank you, Sam. Let's get in there. I found out long ago. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It's a long way down the history road. Some of those buttons run for a while. Michael Carlson. <laughs> he can't help himself. Michael Carlson sends a short Beatles Hibsbury rogue saying, Hi, boys. One time when I was five, I saw a Beatles tribute band at a Six Flags type park. But I'm dumb and thought it was the actual Beatles until I was like 10 or 12 years old. <laughs> Thanks, boys. Michael. <laughs> That's really How great. That? How would you know, man? How would you know? That, yeah, you were a kid. Damn. So you told all your friends you saw the Beatles? <laughs> I saw the Beatles. They were next to the water park. And I had a, a turkey leg and I watched the Beatles. I saw them with my eyes. Nick Tupin says Beatles Christmas miracle. Hello, buzz, 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 Beatle baby boys. Ding. My 60 year old dad grew up a huge Beatles fan for years from the time I started giving him gifts about six years old. Damn, that's cold. What, what kind of job do you have at six years old? That's a good point. I gave my dad a rock once for, for his birthday when I was a child. For every birthday, Father's Day, and Christmas, every occasion, my two sisters and I got my dad a Beatles-themed gift. I'm talking shirts, mugs, posters, DVDs, CDs, etc. (laughs) 
complete. Steve drinking out of a Beatles mug. Finally, one Christmas after opening the third Beatles-themed gift that day, he looked up from the 100th Beatles coffee table book he had received over the past few years and said, you guys, I don't think I like the Beatles anymore. Please don't get me any more Beatles stuff. And that's how we crushed my dad's love for the Beatles. To this yeah. day, he really doesn't listen to their music anymore. Sorry, Dad. Maybe that's he just crazy. doesn't like you guys. Yeah, he probably doesn't like you guys. He probably doesn't want to be force fed his own favorite thing because you guys can't have a conversation with him enough to see what else he might like. Right. Yeah, he's probably he probably does does resent probably not the Beatles, but he might resent that. Yeah, you guys you guys didn't dig into what he wanted more in his life. You know what's you know what's weird about not liking the Beatles at all or claiming to not like the Beatles at all. Depending on when you listen to them, it's like four different bands. Right. Like the Beatles don't sound the same. Uh, you know, they change their sound like three or four different times. Right. You know and what I mean? Th- and thank God. <laughs> they um, say that too. They talk about a lot when they first came over here. They're like, how long could this last? And like, when's the bubble going to burst type thing? Right. And I think they talk about that maybe it wouldn't have lasted as long if they didn't start to like change up their sound in their next couple albums and then onto the later sixties and stuff. I mean, I, I, the thing is, is like, does he, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Sam Parkinson says, here's a Lee short Beatles history road. Hi, boys. I'll save you from having to read an intro of G- DB gibberish. Just know that I'm a longtime fan. Thank you. That's nice. That's like the next level of of intro to a yeah. history round. Right. And I and honestly, I respect that and appreciate it. Um, <laughs> it's funny when you guys do all the DB gibberish, but sometimes it's nice to be like, hey, you know, I'm not going to bore you with that shit. Hey, imagine I did this and here we go. And I'm going to try to be funny. Here's the email. <laughs> I'm emailing because I'm born and raised in Liverpool, home of the Beatles. Heard of it? <laughs> Jackpot. <laughs> it's been. <laughs> And I live about five minutes from both Strawberry Fields, Penny Lane, and all the Beatles' childhood homes. Holy shit. That's cool. My bank where I have to make any withdrawals is actually the one on the corner mentioned in the Penny Lane lyrics. Whoa. I hope you got more than a penny in your account. Okay. Well, I didn't mean for it to be offensive. Okay. Thank you for coming with me. (laughs) Oh, wow. I don't deserve that. They love you, Mike. (laughs) 
I love your impressions of the band members, although mine are most likely superior for obvious reasons. I don't get it. If you want any niche Beatles facts, have any questions, or even just want to hear a Liverpoolian accent, please call. Oh, it's a phone number. You got $15 to make that call? <laughs> How about we ask you a question and you email us back? Email us a sound back. <laughs> Sam. Mike, do you have a question for someone who lives so close to all that shit? Do you get sick of the tourists? Why don't you host a walking tour? Learn as many things There's as you can. Host a walking tour. Open up business for yourself. And fucking make that money, player. I bet there's a bunch of those already. Yeah, but you can, anyone Yours can could do be it. better. Yours could have sounds. It's been. <laughs> <laughs> this is over here's where John Lennon bought a Slim Jim. And it's been. It's been. A good time. With me to the next location. <laughs> Dude, that's Ozzy, like, not really remembering, but thinking that he's in the right Oh, yeah. Over here is where maybe um, John... And then if you go down, I'm almost positive that if... And then you take a... All right, let's get out of here because I got to make a weird poop because it's coming out. So um, <laughs> thank you, Mommy. You understand. Guys, this cool. has been a great episode of this show. I'm really loving nerding out about the Beatles with my friend Mike Falzone, and I hope yeah, you're yeah. enjoying it as much as we are from some of your responses on Twitter and DMs and Instagram and emails and all those things. We are um, certainly seeing that you guys are enjoying it, and that's awesome. Yeah, we'll kind of breeze through 1965 next time, 1966. We'll get to Shea Stadium times, uh, talk about all that, and then go into like a rubber sole yesterday and today, all that stuff. We got a lot to talk about because last night I watched the Magical Mystery Tour, and um, dude, it's it's really bad. We have to catch up <laughs> to the later stuff because the later yeah. stuff is so – this stuff is very like uh, – this is fun to see how this popular music started, but yeah. all the crazy shit at the end is like the more dynamic banter. Yeah. Type well, we'll, stuff. we'll have to end this whole Beatles thing with a bang once we get to the good goods. But, uh, um, uh, we're even thinking about some type of commentarium. I don't know if we've mentioned that yet, but, um, Mike doesn't like it when I do that, but I want us to uh, be held accountable. As long as we do it, I have no problem with it. Um, guys, thank you for listening. Michael, thank you for your time. Uh, I want to really quick, if I could, I don't want to put you on the spot, Mike, but Mike gave me this. Yes. Which is a super rad notebook that um, has Mike Fell's own branded things on it, and it has a nice pen that says write everything down on it, which I think is really rad. And I think you make these, right, Mike? Yeah, man. You sell They're, these um, or something? It's like a pack of three notebooks, like Steve said. And if you like writing stuff down and if you want everything you need to do that, um, there's a little link on MikeFalzone.com and they're through DFTBA. And uh, there's plenty of them. So if you want those, go get them. Thank and you, I, Steve. Yeah, and thank you because I'm like certainly into this world of writing things down now and i know that you're a big advocate for that and um, yeah man it's a Always. good habit to get into and it's very helpful so thank you mike for and there's a, two are formatted for like lines like to write words and yeah. then there's a blank one if you like to if you're a doodle bug 
I'm a little bit of a doodle bug if I can say it. <laughs> you can. I'll allow it. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thanks for listening to the show. And um, fuck, man, I guess I just love you. I love you. We all love. That was a HeadGum Podcast.